All right. Well, that was for all of you who don't drink coffee. <laughs> so we should be good to go now. And uh, actually, there's, uh, there's, uh, if you, if you, and if you're over 30, maybe you didn't catch the lyrics of that song. But, uh, <clears throat> but believe it or not, people are looking for uh, stuff in this world. And uh, before I can get, get into the message, though, um, actually, I guess last week, people were actually standing like out in the lobby trying to find a seat during this middle service. So if you could, actually right now, if you see a seat between you, could you uh, just make room uh, so that if, if somebody comes in late, they can actually find an easy aisle seat? Um, that would be fantastic. All right. Hey, can I just, actually, since we're doing that, I'll just throw this advertisement in here and then we'll actually give the message. Um, but <clears throat> really... Partly what's happening for us here at K2 is this middle service is we're totally packing out uh, how many people can fit in here. And so sometimes people come and they literally can't find a seat. And, and so if at all possible, if you could consider possibly coming to the 9 o'clock or to the 1045, that would be this one. Don't come to this one. Don't do anything I tell you to do. Okay. Yeah, or the 1230. Um, that would be awesome. The weather's getting nice, so maybe you want to get up and get out at night, enjoy the rest of the day, or just sleep in as much as you want. But that, that would really help us, because right during this kind of the spring season, this, the, it's just getting packed out. It's getting kind of nuts. That'd be great. Thank you. All right. So actually, though, in this song, with the words that were on the screen, it said, could someone deliver us and send us some kind of sign? So close to giving up, because faith is so hard to find. And really... Everybody in this world, I think if you're a human being, then you have a quest in your heart. And there's not a person that doesn't have it. It's just what it means to be human. Every single person is looking for these kind of things that will satisfy us deeply in our, in our being with life. Some of us are trying to figure out how we can be free from the loneliness that we, that we experience. And we're looking for relationships that really matter. Um, just fulfillment. I mean, every time you make a decision as a human being, you make it in the hopes that somehow this is going to better your life. We're all looking for these things, looking for purpose. Some of you are here today, maybe peace. Man, you just, I, I need some peace in the depth of my being. And what's so interesting is if you look and see inside the scriptures what God says he offers, I mean, it's unbelievable to me. When Jesus Christ came here and he said, hey, I just want to let you know I have come so that you might have life and so that your life would be to the full. In other words, complete. Everything that the world is looking for, God is saying, listen, I actually put that drive inside you to search. And the reason I put it in there is so you'd search after me. And I actually think that that's why as we search and search and don't find that complete fullness in our life, it's one way God said, keep going. <laughs> keep going and eventually come to me. Now what's interesting about Jesus is people flocked to him when he was here. People were enamored by him. And I think in our day and age, if people are singing songs like this where they say, hey, would somebody please show us some kind of sign? Because faith is hard to find. See, God had this great idea. He goes, oh, okay, I'll show you a sign. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, in the world. And this is what we've been talking about for the last three weeks. I'm going to send my son into the world because I love you guys. And he's actually going to take care of the issue that's keeping you far away from me. Okay? Because you all got this sin thing going on. You all want to do your own thing. You don't want to follow me. That's causing a friction between us. So I'm going to send Jesus Christ, and he's going to go ahead and pay the penalty, take care of the whole sin issue so that you can be completely forgiven, so you and I can be together. But then he's not done. Then he's going to actually be resurrected from the dead. 
He's not going to die. And he's going to live in heaven forever, alive. And by doing that, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, he's actually going to send another counselor, just like himself, the Holy Spirit of God, so that Christ can dwell in your hearts. So he can live in you. That's what Dave talked about last week. That we actually have God inside us. It's just, it, it is. It's just wacky. I was meeting with a guy a few months ago, and it's, man, you'd say something like that, and it's just like, what? But that's the good news, that God is with you. And then he says, when Pentecost happened, that day when the Holy Spirit was given to the church so that God himself would live in our being, Jesus said this. He goes, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be. See, you know, I think what the church, we, we, we messed that up a little bit, and we said, and you'll go witness. <laughs> you know, and how many of us like to go witness? Okay? Yeah, that's what I thought. But here's the deal. He didn't say you're going to go witness. He said, you will be my witnesses. You just will. You will live a life. You know what God was saying? If people are saying, hey, would somebody please show me a sign? God's saying, I'll show you a sign. I'm going to live in you. I'll show you. The world needs a sign. I'm going to live in you. I'm going to actually inhabit your heart, and you're going to walk out of this dumb little red warehouse with Jesus. And he's going to change your life. And he's going to fill you with his spirit so that his likeness starts to take place in your life. And everybody at your workplace, everybody in your neighborhood is going to see the sign. And the sign is you. Now, if that was happening... Do you think the world would be enamored by the church? They would see you at work and they go, man, this is awesome. I want to be a part of that. But what's interesting is how many of you have had, usually, don't have a real good experience when someone finds out you're a Christian? Is that kind of the norm? Anybody? Okay, just me? The world doesn't like me? No. <laughs> but what's interesting is you get this thing and you think, I don't know about you, but man, when you're engaging with a conversation, if it's somehow coming down this thing and it's going to come out that you're a Christian, aren't you a little nervous at that point? Okay, well, I am. So you guys are much more spiritual than me. But here's the deal. You should try being a pastor and tell someone you're a pastor. Because, man, I tell you, when I'm on the golf course and it gets about the fifth hole and we finally start talking about what each other does and they find out that I'm a pastor, I tell you, pretty much, it's either going to be a very interesting conversation for the rest of the game or the conversation's over. Because people are not enamored with Christians. Can you agree with me on that? Come on, man. If, you, if you're alive today, you know right now the word Christian doesn't give people warm and fuzzies. And yet we're supposed to be the sign of this amazing God. And so... This last year, I had a real privilege of meeting a, a, a really neat guy. His name is Gabe Lyons. And uh, he co-authored a book called Unchristian. There's actually copies in the, in, the, in the lobby if you want to pick one of these up. And uh, what Gabe did is he, he struggled with this. He's like, man, Christ is incredible. I love him. I get in the world. And as soon as I say, yeah, I'm a Christian, it's like, Phew. it doesn't build a bridge. It usually builds a barrier. So he decided to do this intense research project, interviewing over 10,000 people about how they view Christianity today, how they view Christians today. So he was in town last month, and I actually asked him if I could do a little interview with him, and he's just going to give us a little bit of what he's found. So let's watch this real quick. 
We found in our research that 16 to 29 year olds who are outside of the Christian faith have a very negative view of Christians. 90% believe that Christians are anti-homosexual. Christians are old fashioned. Hypocritical. Anti-gay. 75% uh, that Christians are too political. Live in a bubble. Too involved in politics. 87% that Christians are judgmental. 85% that Christians are hypocritical. They're fake, phony, um, talk out of both sides of their face, um, have a list of rules and regulations that they have to follow all the time, and they're definitely not fun. 70% that Christians only care about proselytizing, that we seem to only be interested in trying to get other people saved, but we don't really care about them. Christians always have ulterior motives. 78% that Christians are sheltered. So a lot of my friends, when they think about Christians, they think about people who have no clue, really. Uh, they live in a world that's not real. They're just kind of their own little existence, doing their own little thing. Um, and they are hypocritical. The first thought they have when they, you say you're a Christian is that you're anti-gay. They assume that Christians don't like gay people. They really looked at us and gave us a clear statement. They said, look, Christianity is no longer like what Jesus intended. And that cut to the heart. I feel like we're just in a place right now where we have to surprise people and challenge their assumptions about what Christianity is because the assumptions that people have about Christianity are so firm at this point that they can actually parody us with pretty good accuracy. The thing about this research is, is that we represent Christ, so to the world is interacting with Christians. If this is what they perceive of us, in some ways that represents God's reputation. Well, isn't that good news? That's how the world views us. You're judgmental. You're hypocritical. I think it's interesting that the top percentage perception of a Christian is you're anti-homosexual. Wow, isn't that great to be known as that? They look at us and they say, you know what? You don't really care about me. All you want to do is get me in your club. You're just trying to witness to me so I'll become a Christian. You don't even care, respect my opinion or what I really think about you don't live what you say you believe anyway. I mean, it's just unbelievable, this list. And what's wild is, I mean, and these are high percentages, 75 to 90% of the people, when they think of you and me, that's what they think about. And you and I are the sign. You and I are God's idea of how he's going to give hope to this world. And man, when I think about that, you guys, that's pretty frustrating. It's pretty amazing. To think that somehow, and I love what Gabe said, because here's the issue, God's reputation is at stake. Because most people in the world are not just going to go grab a Bible and read through it and take a seminary. I mean, they're just not going to do that. You know what they're going to do? They're going to meet you. They're going to know you, and they're going to know me, and they're going to meet me. And how are we going to emulate Christ, this one who lives inside us? Does he actually get out of us? apparently, most of the time, something else is getting out of us instead of Christ. And I'm telling you, if we're going to be unstoppable, the only, the only way we're going to do it is if we figure out how in the world to walk with him. It's really interesting. I'm reading this book right now called Pilgrims of Christ on the Muslim Road. And it's a story of a guy's name, uh, Mazar Maluhi, who grew up a Muslim in Syria, <clears throat> and, uh, but was on a real strong spiritual search and um, eventually ended up leaving the Muslim faith and pursued Hinduism, pursued Buddhism. But the one thing he wouldn't pursue was Christianity. <laughs> you know why? Because 
being in the Muslim world, he was like, all it was was this, it's this Western, right? Christianity is a Western religion, and it's tied to imperialism, and all you're doing is trying to come and take us over. So he would look at everything else, but he wouldn't look at, he wouldn't even crack open a Bible. And then he was in the Syrian army, and all of a sudden he noticed one of the uh, officers was actually reading a Bible. And so uh, he decided to go ahead and say, well, if he's reading it, I'll, he asked him to see if he, could, if he could read one. As he read and got into the Gospels and looked at the life of Christ, all of a sudden everything changed for him. Let me, let me read you what he says. I was so terribly empty, I knew what hell was because I was living it. Life to me was not worth living And I came to the point of deciding either to commit suicide or somehow find a new beginning. You know what Matsar was saying? Somebody show me a sign. Somebody show me a sign. Faith is hard to find because he was looking. Couldn't find it. He reads the Bible and look what he says. I saw a difference between this Christ that I was reading about in the Gospels and other religious leaders. Christ combined his teaching with his lifestyle. He didn't just give me an idea, but he showed me how to live by living it for me. And he promised me that I could begin life anew. And from the beginning, I came to the conclusion that Christ never intended to establish a new religion, but instead, he came to simply establish his life in and among us. Did you guys catch that? Jesus Christ did not come to establish another religion. Praise God. What Jesus Christ came to do was to establish his life in me and in you. So I just got to say, when I think about today, I'm like, what are you doing here? I don't know you. I don't know what you're here, why you're here. Are you here to go to church? Oh my goodness, you guys, do you see what a nice day it is out there? I say, if we're just going to do religious, if this is another religion, again, let's close the doors and let's go play some golf. Let's go hiking. It's beautiful out there. Man, and so I am so not interested in another religion and us trying to figure out how to live good lives. But I want to tell you right now, if Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he wants to establish his life in me so that I can live a new life, I am all over that. How about you? Okay, that was really thrilling. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, but I want to tell you, but you know, we're not a hoop and holler church, so I understand. But what I want to tell you is this right here. Before we go on with the rest of the service, you got a, you got a question. I heard a guy, I read this one time, and it actually bothered me when I read it. The guy said, Did you know you're as holy as you want to be? And I remember reading that going, Oh, no, I'm not. And I'm like, Because I'm not that holy, so I'm, do I not want to be? And it really bothered me, because I'm like, no, I want to be. But he was right. I felt he spoke directly to me. Nelson, you're as holy as you want to be. You know why? Because everything that we need for life and godliness is ours in Christ Jesus. That's straight from the Scripture. Did you know that every spiritual blessing in heaven is ours right now? That's ours. And see, so the point is, you and I could be living lives that emulate Christ. We could be filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. We could. We could actually be getting along with each other 
and giving grace to each other and forgiving one another. We could actually be doing that. And for some reason, we're not. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Why is this emulation of Christ not happening? Because it needs to, you guys. Not only for the world, because the world needs to see that there's a Jesus who's alive. They don't need to see a bunch of religious people who do religious stuff and then feel pious about it. Ugh! They need to see people with the fruit of the Spirit of God living inside them. And you know what else? But it's not just for the people, man. How about you? Do you not get frustrated? Anybody else out there get frustrated with your walk with Christ, those of you who are followers of Christ? Man, I'm telling you, you look in the mirror every day and you go, where's the freedom? Where's the power? You know, I listened to Elsog's message last, last week. He's talking about all this power. Man, I read the scripture and it says, incomparably great power for us who believe. Anybody? Anybody have that? Anybody have that yesterday? Incomparably great power. Oh, man. So here's the deal. He talked about this flashlight. You know, we've, we've, we're empty, and then Christ comes inside of us, and now we have the power, right, to be able to be the light of the world that we're supposed to be. And then he talked about, but we have a problem flipping the switch. Anybody got a problem flipping the switch? Oh, this is not going to be a very relevant message. <laughs> That's what I'm going to talk to you about. <clears throat> because I think for me, I want to tell you this, I believe with every fiber of my being. That Jesus Christ is living in me. Now, I have tasted it. I've actually seen incomparably great power. It's not regular. That frustrates me. But I know, and I've not only seen it in me, I've seen it in some of you. This is real, you guys. And I want to play the game. And if you're here today, and you're checking out what Christianity is, you don't really know... We're gonna, I'm gonna be, you're going to get an inside scoop to what this should really be about. And if you're a Christ follower today, come on. Do you really just want to go to church? God, what an awful thought. Or do you want to know the living Christ and his power and fruit in your life? And either this is true, or let's just go home. I think it's true. And personally for me, I'm going to fight until the day I see Jesus face to face. I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to do everything I can. Well, I wish. I, I'm going to say I'm going to do everything I can. And then I'm going to try to fight for this. And I say let's do it together. So before I jump into the passage that I'm going to teach through today. Let's just pray real quick. And I want you to pray. And I want you to, I want you to ask yourself a really strong question here today if, if you're a Christ follower today. What are you doing? Do you want to play the game or do you want to know Christ? Because here's the deal. I think you could walk out of here different than you walked in. Don't raise your hand, but would anybody like that? To walk out of here different than when you walked in. You're as holy as you want to be. Will you open your heart to God today and let his word actually speak to you? It's up to you. So, Father, you're here. It's your promise. You live in many of us in this room. But do you really live? And God, I'm just asking right now, that you'll take these scriptures and these words of yours that we're going to look at 
and do what only you can do. I can't explain it well enough. But I know that you know every person in here and you know exactly what you want to say to them. And I'm asking in the name of Jesus Christ that you will open the eyes of our heart so that we might understand what has been freely given to us. And may you do your work in this place today. God, help us not to play church today. Help us to know you today. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. Galatians 5, 16 through 25. Paul writes and he says, so I say this, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Wow, wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Live by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of your sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Can anybody relate? Okay. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. Now, let me explain a couple things here. First of all, what's this sinful nature? And if you're new to the faith or don't really understand, the word he actually uses there is the word flesh. It's the human nature. It's this nature, the way I like to explain it, is it's a nature that every single human being has that's bent away from God towards yourself. Anybody question whether you have that? I mean, isn't it unbelievable? I mean, it is so natural to wake up in the morning and have your first thought and your second and most of them all day long be about yourself. Even a lot of the good things we do, we do because somehow we think they'll benefit us. I mean, and I say this all the time, all you got to do is have little kids and you know you're born with it because you never have to discipline your kids, right? To say yeah, to say no, excuse me. Kids just say no from the very beginning. It's in them. No, mine. No, mine. That's all they say. It's the human nature. And we all have it inside of us. All right? And so it's the nature that says, I'm going to live for me and not for God. And what does it look like? Well, if you look at the passage and starting with verse 19, the acts of this sinful nature are obvious. Okay? Now see if any of these relate to you. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you go through a list like that, and sometimes those are a little bit hard on debauchery. You know, well, I'm, eh, I don't know if I did that or not. So, um, uh, Eugene Peterson uh, did this... Uh, a thing with the Bible called the message, and I love how he describes what this nature is like. Here he goes. He says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. I love how he, that's how he describes the, the, the sinful nature, and that's what it is. You try to get your own way. You don't listen to God. You don't listen to your spouse. You don't really care. I mean, you love your kids, but you still do what you want to do instead, all that kind of stuff. He goes, this is what it looks like. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. Anybody want to raise your hand? All right, way to go, Lois. All right. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Yeah, got any of that going on? Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. 
cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. Anybody got a few of those? A brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved. Did that? I want to say it right there. That's probably the worst one out of all these things that sounds so bad. Is an impotence to love. And for some of you, it's an impotence to be loved. You just, you can't even, you don't even know how to do it. Divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Sound like your workplace? Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. (laughs) I love how he says that. And then he says, this isn't the first time I've warned you. You know, if you use your freedom this way, can can I just tell you? Here's scripture. If you use your freedom, if you live like this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourselves. God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. You just will. And so when you look at this list and you go through this, man, this is the personal frustration. Because what is the kingdom of God, you guys? Two things. It's here and it's still to come. The kingdom of God, you won't inherit it. Meaning when heaven is there, that's just not going to be, it wasn't a part of your deal. But secondly, Jesus said, don't you know the kingdom of God is in you? It's in you right now. That's me in you. See, because I'm Lord. (laughs) And when I come in you, I'm God. That means I call the shots. That means I'm the king. You're not. I reign in your heart. But if you live all that way, you're not letting me reign. You're reigning. You're choosing your sinful nature, your flesh, your own personal desires over me. And if you choose all those things, that's what happens. Your life falls apart. Your relationships end. You're depressed. Everyone around you is hurt. And we have uh, America. Right? And God says, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You won't get my reign in your life if you choose to do that. Do you guys know the Bible says, because here's again, a lot of you right here, I'm going to talk to mainly to all you Christians here today. The Bible says that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. But do you know that the Bible also says that you can grieve that spirit? Do you know the Bible says that you can quench the spirit's fire? My guess would be some of you in here, at one time, were on fire for God. Remember those days? Man, it was new, and it was like, whoo! You know, like John, I love what John Wesley said. He goes, man, I like to just light myself on fire, because then people just come to watch me burn. You know? <laughs> and, and some of you were like that, but step by step of choosing yourself instead of God, every step that you choose yourself instead of God puts a little damper on the fire. You can grieve the spirit. Come on, man, if, you know, if you're married, you know what that's like, right? doesn't mean you're not married anymore. doesn't mean you're not, you know, uh, loving each other anymore, really. But I can tell you this. Is there intimacy going on? You know, I'll never forget being a single guy. When you're a single guy, you think you get married and you have sex, like, all the time, right? <laughs> but what's the reality? After you get married, that almost lustful sexual drive That doesn't bring sex anymore in marriage, does it? You know what brings sex in marriage? When you're intimate. When your hearts are close. And you can be fighting and grieving one another. I tell you what, there's not a whole lot of intimacy going on when that's happening. 
I'm gonna, I, I, I love to talk about sex. <laughs> because God thought of it. And I think he was trying to help us understand. You have no idea how euphoric it would be to know me intimately. But we choose ourselves over God, just like we choose ourselves over our spouse. And it's not euphoric. We grieve the Spirit of God when we could actually be one with Him and experience. And I'm telling you what, if you've ever, this may, be, this may sound weird, but I'm telling you, when you have really sensed the Spirit of God, it's better than sex. Can I get an amen? amen. It's unbelievable. It is beyond this world. And, I, and that's what God wants us to have. But what happens? Let's go back to the scripture. In verse 17, he says, uh, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. And what's interesting, you guys, and we all know this, man, I want to walk with God. If you're a Christian here today, you want to walk with God. Is that true? Okay, so now, now most of us aren't probably, to be honest with you. But you want to, don't you? I'm telling you, if you're a Christian and you're in this room today, you want the fullness of God, and somehow you've been duped into thinking that satisfying your flesh and going after the things that feel good, you don't even want to do them. That's what the Bible says, but you do them. There's a conflict inside you. But to see, the funny thing is, when you walk with the Spirit and you walk in his direction, then your flesh is going, stop it! Your flesh doesn't want it. There's always going to be that conflict inside of us. So how do you not gratify this flesh that says, feed me, feed me? You guys remember that movie? <laughs> yeah? That plant just, feed me! I'm telling you, that's what the sinful nature is like. What did it start like? Remember this little plant? Oh, feed me. Feed me. And he feeds him. Feed me. Feeds him. Feed me. <laughs> hey, feed me. Feed me. And next thing you know, it overcomes you. And some of you would call yourself a follower of Christ. And you haven't followed him in a long time. And the world is saying, show me a sign. And God is saying, you're my sign. I chose to live in you so I could live through you. So I could show the world my glory. So that you could walk into your workplace and actually love people. Can you imagine a workplace where people loved each other? Where you actually went in and you had joy. You actually went in with a smile on your face. Can you imagine smiles at your workplace? And then the whole day tanks, and everybody's freaking out, and you've got peace. And everybody's going, where'd you get that? How come you treat me like that? I treat you like a jerk. How come you are still kind to me? That's the sign that God wants to show the world that every human being needs to see, and he wants to do it through us. So, how do we do this? What he says is we got to live by the Spirit. You know what that means? 
in verse 16, it actually, if you went right straight from the Greek, it means by the Spirit, keep on walking. <laughs> keep on walking. Later on, the Scripture says, uh, da, 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 verse 24, no, 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Well, you guys, how did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? How did you do that? Think, seriously, think back to that moment when Jesus entered your heart. What did you do? Did you go to church and, and then um, read the Bible and, and then um, teach in Adventure Canyon and, and then do all these things and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, Jesus is in there. Is that how it worked for you? No, what did you do? You, Colossians 2, 6, you received Christ Jesus as Lord. How? By faith. It is so mysterious. You talk with people, some of you who don't know Christ yet, he's not real in your life. Ah, oh, it's so mysterious. But when you trust him with your life and you receive him into your life, see, it's not about religious activity. It's not about works. You don't go do religious stuff and then all of a sudden your heart gets warmed with God. No, you trust him. You walk by the Spirit. You trust him step by step. And Colossians 2.6 says, just as you received him, remember how you received him, just as you received him, continue to walk in him. I love that verse. How do you emulate Christ, you guys? You know how? You start over here. And every, all day long, you're going to have decisions, all day long. And every time you choose the Spirit and you choose to listen to Him, that's faith. And you take a step. And every time you choose not to follow God, then you stay here. And you know what I found? This is so interesting. I remember one time, like, sometimes these are little daily steps, okay? Like, you're going to go home today, and you're going to have lots of chances to either walk by the Spirit or to listen to your flesh, right? Guys, you're going to watch the Masters, or you're going to hang out with your wife? No, just kidding. That's a bad example. All right. <clears throat> so, because um, I'm going to do both. I'm going to tie Susie to the chair so she watches it with me. Um, no, but all day long, you're going to have opportunities to either feed your flesh or to listen to God. And sometimes they're little, but I'm telling you what, every time you don't, oh, the, the, the damper comes. The grieving comes. But every time you say yes, the power comes. I know some of you have tasted that. Isn't it weird? Whenever you trust him, the power comes. It's unbelievable. And then sometimes, you guys, it's big things. Like I know for me one time, God was asking me to reconcile a relationship, and I just couldn't do it. And I'm cruising along with God. I'm a pastor at the time. So I was, I'm cruising along with God. I'm loving him with all my heart. And then I'm walking, right, walking with God, walking with Jesus, keeping in step with the Spirit. And then all of a sudden he goes, okay, now what I want to do is I want to reconcile this relationship. And I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> Can't do that one. Way too scary for me. And you know what? Jesus is so great. I just feel like he said, oh, awesome. All right, we can just hang out here. For five years. <laughs> and you know what was weird? I remember looking around and going, man, how come those guys just keep growing in their faith? It seems like they know Jesus more and more every time I meet them. And I feel like I've been the same. 
Can any of you relate? Any of you been stuck for a long time? I'm telling you, one thing that might be happening is that you know a step of faith that he's asking you to take. And the power won't come until you take it. Let me take you through how I actually got through it. The first thing is, is I had to believe him. I had to believe that that was a step that he wanted me to take. And some of you know right now what it is that he needs you to take. The second thing is, I had to ask him to help me. Because there was no way I could take that step on my own. And I prayed and I asked him over and over and over again to give me the power to be able to do it. But then eventually you have to come to a place where you trust him. You can't get around it. But eventually you got to take the step of faith and you got to move and you got to do what he says. But I want to tell you, that day I set up the appointment to have this conversation with this particular person and I got up in the morning. This is so awesome. I got in the morning, I get in the shower, I'm shampooing my hair and all of a sudden I'm like, where's the fear? Where's the anxiety? Wait a second here. I've had fear for five years about doing this, in an hour, I'm going to have breakfast and go into the biggest fear that I've had for five years, and I'm not afraid. It's unbelievable. See, that's the power of the Holy Spirit who comes inside you and now moves. And I'm telling you, when we got done with that, it was freedom. And next thing you know, that was the step. And then Jesus said, awesome. All right, let's go. And we can keep going. And some of you our followers of Christ, you love him. You're glad you're saved. But you look in the mirror and you're going, but my life doesn't emulate him. I don't look like him. I got internal stuff that's driving me nuts and my exterior isn't much better. How do we defeat that? You walk, walk by the Spirit. You know what's interesting? Because I think sometimes we, we join small groups and we go to K2 on Sunday morning, and maybe we read our Bible, and still sometimes all of those are actually just feeding your flesh because you're just trying to do better things. But if you come to K2 because you love God and you open up your Bible because you really want to meet him, and if you're listening to him when you run into him, oh, you guys, your life can be different. And I just want to tell you, you know, this is our life, you guys. I mean, this never ends. It's conflict internally. Every day. Paul said what? I die every day. It's really every moment. But here's the greatest thing you got to know. How are you going to walk in the Spirit? Because some of you right now, you have, if this is the straight and narrow, right? You have gone over here. And you knew you shouldn't have, but you did it anyway and your heart starts to get a little bit harder, and the next temptation comes, and it's weird, it's easier, and now you're sliding over here. Can I be brutally honest? Come on, guys. How's that computer going? How's it going? Are you so tired of trying to cover that thing up? In our day and age, boom, one little click, and you're doing what you don't want to do. And next thing you know, some of you have slid down to the absolute dregs of society and nobody knows it and it's killing you. How many of you have grabbed your credit card way too many times? Knew you shouldn't have done it, but you did it. Oh man, that was pretty easy. 
and you do it again, and you do it again, and next thing you know, you are so far in debt, you can't even imagine. And you're trying to cover things up, and it's ruining your marriage, and everything's falling apart. You guys, there's a million different illustrations I could give you, but you know what yours is. And here's the deal, man. When you're struggling right here, and you're as ugly as you can possibly be, and you imagine turning towards God. How's that make you feel, guys? Gals? How's that make you feel? Most of the time, what that makes us feel is, oh my gosh, he would just go, are you kidding me? You think, you dare to think that you're going to do that and then turn to me? Right? Oh, right? How wrong and I felt like, it's so weird, I wasn't even going to go here today, but first service, and now, now I'm telling you, I know right now, there are followers, you are followers of Christ, and you have not been following him, and you're stuck, and part of the reason you're stuck is because you're not believing the gospel. You do know, right, that if you actually would turn towards God right now in all of your sin, then what's he really going to do? He is going to run to you and embrace you and love you. Because why? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus took care of everything you ever did. How many sins had you done when, he, when Jesus died on the cross? How many had you done? None. Everything that you were ever going to do was in the body of Christ. That means what you're struggling with right now. Christ has already forgiven you. And my question to you today is, are you going to walk out of here today continuing to walk in the flesh and destroy your soul and your relationships, or are you going to walk out of here in the Spirit? Are you going to turn to God today and say, I am sorry, I have been walking in sin, and I'm not going to do it anymore? And when you do, do you know what Acts says? The Bible says if you do that, you will turn, therefore confess your sins, and turn to God so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Anybody need a little of that? I'm telling you, you could be clean and walk out of here. And you know what will happen? Because I've experienced this. Man, I've got to be counting the time. Huh. As a very serious, devoted follower of Christ, I have sinned and struggled with that deeply and struggled to come to Jesus to be forgiven. But the amazing thing is, is when I have, he forgives me. And you know what's been even weird? i got an instance in my mind right now. Where on the very next day, God used me to help bring someone to Christ. And you just go, no, 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 no. You can't use me. I'm a scumbag. I'm a dirtbag. I'm a sinner. Yeah, you just cleaned me up, but don't I need to start all over again? No, 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 no. I took care of all that. Scripture says you're seen without blemish and accusation. Because of, not because of what you did. No, 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 believe me. Not because of what you did, but because of what I did. You are completely forgiven. And God, if you will turn today, I'm telling you this afternoon and tomorrow, you can be a different human being. And you will start to emulate Christ, and he will rise up within you immediately, and you'll walk out of this place different. And you'll be able to be what he needs you to be to the people in this world who are saying, could somebody show me a sign yeah, let me show you one. I'm a dirtbag, and I'm loved by God. And he's changing my heart step by step. I'm telling you, 
Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. Will you please receive that today? And he rose again so he could live inside you and empower you to live a new life. And it's a step-by-step battle, but he can do it. And I want to say, forget church and religion, but would you and me let Jesus Christ live inside us and help us to be what this world needs? Mary, come on up and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask right now that in these next few minutes you would do your surgery, that you would speak your truth, that you would pick up your child, that you would go into the ditch where maybe they've been laying for years or months or just one day, I don't know how long, but that you would pull them out by your grace and you'd let them know that you love them and that you'd wash them clean today so they could actually walk in your spirit and not satisfy the deeds of their flesh anymore. I pray you'd help them to dive deep into their heart with you right now. In the name of Christ, amen. And we're going to do this song, you guys, and it's a simple song I asked Mary to sing. It's one I heard years ago, and it simply says this, I will not move from you. I will not move from you. And just, you, just, you can listen or join or whatever. But for some of you, what you need to say is, I moved from you. And I'm coming back to you. And I'm coming back to you. So let Mary sing it. If you need to, you just close your eyes. This is between you and God. You meet with him right now. And let him do what he needs to do in your heart so that you don't walk out of this place you walked in. Okay? Let's go for it.